This is the Glenn Beck Program. With Pat and Stu, all this week for Glenn, 888-727-BECK. Um, we got some fascinating guidelines from NPR. We'll talk about that later on uh, today, but also Ilan Omar and AOC have some brilliant things to share with us. Uh, we'll get to that and much more coming up in about 60 seconds. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn. Uh, by the way, you can hear my show, Pat Gray Unleashed, weekday mornings right before Glenn and uh, and Stu. Love on, the show. Uh, it's, I mean, it's it's incredible. I listen incredible. every day at work, and I and and I yeah. love his mix of the seventies, eighties, nineties, and today. Do you like the all request lunch hour? I hate the all request oh, you do? lunch hour. Yeah, you don't like that. Yeah, because okay. it's all right. all, these people who call up and they request <laughs> songs that are in the sixties or tomorrow, mm-hmm. and I want seventies, eighties, nineties. 2000s and today and for your convenience we do have traffic and weather together every 10 minutes on <laughs> <Good>. the fours <laughs> that's good to hear yeah it's good to hear so that's great mm-hmm. uh all right american taliban was just released so that's exciting news because i'm i'm pretty sure he's totally reformed totally reformed. are you yeah, well no <laughs> there seems to be a sure. little doubt yeah there seems to be a little teeny bit now they're releasing him early so Really, you have to release him after 20 years because that's what he was sentenced to, right? And no matter how he feels after those 20 years, you still have to let him go. Yeah, I guess that's true. You don't really have to be reformed. If don't you have to out, be. If you go through your entire uh, your entire sentence, right? I mean, if you're... Well, I like to think you would be or are. It's kind of the point of it, yeah. right? But I guess if you come out... Can they keep you in prison if you get sentenced to 20 years... And you say, you know what? I still pretty much like terrorism. I guess I won't do it, maybe, but I'm still advocating for it. And then it comes to the end of their term. Can they just? I guess they just have to let you out. I, I think so. Because yeah. it does not seem like he's reformed. I mean, no. It's, and it's only 17 years, so they could keep him in there three years longer. Uh, which it feels like there are certain crimes, Pat, in which you just don't get out of prison. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and I, there's a, it's a small subset for me. I'll give you an example. John Hinckley. You go and you shoot the president of the United States over Jody Foster. I'm never letting you out of prison. Well, and yet he's like, he's like visiting his parents on the weekends and he, he's uh-huh. out. Right. I mean, like, he, you know, yeah, that I feel like there's a there's a line there. Yeah. Another one is treason against your country. If you're going and you're fighting for an opposing force in a war, you just I don't know. 20 years doesn't seem appropriate to me. And the fact that he's only served 17 is is kind of a big deal. And then going on, going past that, it doesn't seem like he's reformed at all. And you get these stories every once in a while. And we've had people on the show in past years who used to be terrorists and ha- seemingly had reformed and were now speaking out against terrorism. Like that, there's a few people who have actually been on the show that have kind of meet that profile. Mm-hmm. But that's not what John Walker Lind is doing here. No. I mean, it appears as if he's still kind of excited about the whole terrorist thing. What was it he said in 2015 about ISIS? 2015, he said uh, that ISIS was doing a, quote, spectacular <laughs> job after it beheaded a U.S. journalist. Uh, now, okay. I will say... If the job description uh, description was, please, when hired, you will need to behead a U.S. journalist, technically, I guess they were doing a spectacular they job. They got that job done. Though that's not how I would describe it. No. I, I feel like maybe you have a little bit more hesitation in your praise. So you might think, okay, well, that was 2015. Um, in May of 2016, 
Lind continued to advocate for global jihad and to write and translate violent extremist texts. He also told a TV news producer he will continue to spread violent extremism and violent extremist Islam upon his release. That doesn't doesn't seem good to me. Why are we letting this guy go early? That's, that's, uh, That's bizarre. I just don't understand it. I mean, it's it's one of those things that, like, this is a difficult, like, thing to figure out how to deal with a terrorist in these situations. Like, we're, we're talking about mm-hmm. um, uh, the ISIS wives, right? These women, they go over, they get married off into ISIS. God only knows what happens to them for multiple years. Then they all feel kind of bad about it. They're like, you know, hey, like, I, I, was, I was young. I needed the money. Uh, I just thought it would be fun. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it would be fun. And like some of them, like they're like, well, I, I was shocked to see in person them burning these people alive in these cages because it felt so much different than when I watched the video on YouTube of them burning them alive in these cages. And you're like, I can't give you that one. Uh -uh. No. And so the, the, the conversation has been, do we bring the ISIS wives back to the United States and, and have them tried and they want to, yeah, they should stand trial. Well, for that, treason. And I feel like the the most shows that I've heard on the conservative sort of side or people writing about it have said, no, like these people are, are it's a war and they're on the other side of this war and they should be treated like anybody else who's on the other side of the war, which I think is a legitimate position. However, if you're, if we have a law about treason, it's kind of, it's, it's a big deal, right? I mean, this is a constitutional mm-hmm. principle, right? Yeah. Uh, and like it's hard to to envision a more clear example of treason than going over and assisting ISIS in the middle of a war against us, mm-hmm. right? Like I just, I mean, how do you get more clear than this? And yet we will not, we never use it. We we've just basically we just, we've all decided. You know what? That part uh, uh, of our history, eh, you know what? It's like it's like a Halloween three season of the witch, just not part of the series. <laughs> We're just going to ignore that it happened. All the other ones are Michael Myers. There's this one where masks attack everybody's head on Halloween. And it was, you know, maybe not the best movie in the world. But that's the only one we're just going to kind of just disregard. We're just going to say, no, that one didn't happen. That was not part of the series. And like this, like, ah, treason? What? I don't even know what that is. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, so when John clear. Walker Lind wasn't even charged with treason. Right. And that's the problem. If uh, you had turned him with treason, he would not be out of uh, prison no. right now. There, you know, this is the type of thing that, that is, is they call for potentially execution for this. This is, the, this is a death penalty uh, situation and should be treated as such. If you are going to go, and remember, it's not just that he went and fought with uh, the Taliban. Uh, he also was involved in the death of the first American serviceman in the Afghanistan war. Um, uh, 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 a guy, Mike Spann, yeah. uh, who was CIA a CIA member, member who was mm-hmm. uh, killed in a prison riot, and that prison riot was involving this guy who's about to walk free. I mean, I, how is that? It's pretty serious. It's yeah. certainly not justice, yeah. but it's it's amazing because of his frequently reported comments that he has not reformed, that he wants to continue to do these things. And they're like, there's a very, very strict uh, release policy, Pat. Very, very strict. I don't know if you've heard this, but he, uh, uh, first of all, is uh, is going to be monitored by parole officers. Now, that's number one. Whoa. And I want you to think about how serious that is. <laughs> okay. He's going to be monitored mm-hmm. by parole officers. And number two, yes, he can go on the internet. Yes, he can communicate with whoever he wants to, but oh. only 
in English. <laughs> yeah, this guy, I think, speaks Arabic or whatever. Uh, what is it? Uh, <laughs> so he can only... He can't, he can't speak that online. He can only do extreme Islam jihad in English. Yes, he has to do it in English. Now, if they said he had to do it in haiku, I might say, okay, that's pretty difficult because he's going to have to continually uh-huh. write haikus. Uh, but no, this is he. <laughs> it's legitimately part that's of his release. Bizarre. He can't do. He can't speak uh, any other languages. Has to only speak English. Now, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I guess that's a limitation because we're what we're too lazy to translate what he's typing. I, what do we? And the fact I, that he's able to actually communicate with other people. I mean, you know, I, he's on the internet. Why is he on the internet at all? Again, when he let, when he went to prison, the internet barely worked. Okay, he's got to get out of here. Imagine, I mean, now he can go anywhere he wants. He gets the nice uh, 4G or, you know, soon 5G access. Got Wi-Fi everywhere. Back in, He's almost in dial-up days when he went out, when he got in prison. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems like a completely crazy idea to yeah, let him Yeah, it does. S- especially since he's not, he hasn't reformed at all. Uh, and that's, it's pretty clear by his statements. Although, uh, he, uh, he did make an interesting statement to, um, to the parole board he 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 made a 14 minute speech that included had i realized then what i know now about the taliban i i would never have joined them i never understood jihad to mean anti-americanism or terrorism but then you know okay so that's what he said to get out of jail early and then you look at everything else he has said leading up to that um it just looks like he feels the same way he did when he went into prison and we didn't do what we should have done at the time, charging him with treason. Uh, and now we're making it even worse by allowing him to, to get out early. There's no, There doesn't seem to be any reason for it. Why would you let this guy go after 17 years? Charged as he is with pretty serious offenses like conspiracy to kill U.S. nationals. That seems like a fairly significant crime. Yeah, I think that's a big one. Yeah. So, uh, um, in Foreign Policy magazine reported in 2017 uh, that an investigation by the National Counterterrorism Center found that Lind quote continued to advocate for global jihad and to write and translate violent, violent extremist, extremist texts. Uh, and uh, but the the answer though is is pretty good. They said for three years he's going to be watched like a hawk. Oh wow! So well, I mean, there you go. if you th- I mean look, done three years. That's wonderful because that's the time he would normally have been in prison, right? Like so, yeah. when he would have been in prison, they're going to watch him carefully, and then he's going to become he's just going to be at your local like uh, Starbucks. He's going to be giving you Dunkin' Donuts as you come through, and we're supposed to be okay with that. I, what are you, an Islamophobe? All of a sudden, is that what you're? No, you're an I, Islamophobe. I am not an Islamophobe. <laughs> I will say though, if I go to Dunkin' Donuts and I order a croissant sandwich, mm-hmm. and he hands it to me and he says it in like Farsi, mm. I am. I'm Call going to report board. him. I'm going yeah. to report him. He's only supposed to speak in English, <laughs> and I will be very upset if he says something to me in Farsi. All right, it's Pat and Stu for Glenn this week. Uh, more coming up in sixty seconds. Pat and Stu for Glenn, 888-727-BECK. We've got some wisdom uh, from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, where, mm. where she, she's really kind of the wellspring of all wisdom lately. She and Ilan Omar have really shared a lot of it with the United States, uh, and I appreciate it. They've done a great job so far. They, they have. I'll say that. Uh, in fact, informing us, us climate deniers, that we have only 12 years before the end of the world. Yeah. 
Which you uh, said on multiple occasions. Yeah, not just once. Yeah. Now, if you were just kind of making a random comment, if you were uh, mistakenly summarizing some in-depth uh, piece of evidence from the UNIPCC, you may uh, be surprised to hear that you do that multiple times, keep continually doubling down on the same claim. Mm-hmm. Um, she said famously, million, millennials and people, you know, Gen Z and all these folks that will come after us and we're, are looking up and we're like, the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't get, uh, address climate change. And your <laughs> bis- biggest issue is how are we going to pay for it? <laughs> and that sort of attitude has been repeated mm-hmm. multiple times. She, uh, she then doubled down on it when uh, saying, for everyone who wants to make a joke about that, you may laugh. But your grandkids will not. Which is interesting because if the world is ending in 12 years, why, how am I having grandkids? I mean, I, you know, yeah. I, my kids are pretty, my kids are, you know, pretty young. They're fairly young. So it would be difficult for mm-hmm. that to, to happen. But maybe, I guess, if you're saying someone who already has grandkids or whatever, maybe they, in, 12, in the 12-year period, would happen. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez later flipped her position in early May, referring to the 12-year deadline as merely dry humor and sarcasm. Now it's interesting because you could you could say Casio no Cortez that was not humor, not humor, not sarcasm, mm-hmm. um, and you could say that she's just a dunce and just you know screwed it up, which is a likely explanation for almost everything she says. Right? Uh, she's not not the not the brightest bulb. However, this is something that's been repeated by many of the Democratic candidates uh, for president. I know Beto O'Rourke has been on mm-hmm. that uh, bandwagon multiple times, and t- to the point where they actually had to start fact checking this. You know, they, they had to go to the actual scientists who did the report they're talking about and say, hey, um, you know, do you guys think that the world's going to end in 12 years? And they said, no, that's not what we said. And they said, basically, like, we're really glad to have a chance to clear this up because, no, we are not saying that the world is going to end in 12 years. The, the people who wrote the report they're referring to are saying that now. Just that's how ridiculous this claim is. And again, they are very alarmist on the climate. It's not oh, like these yeah. are people who are who are saying, "Oh, everything's going to be fine." They're saying there's danger, but what they're saying is these claims are completely ridiculous. So, Ocasio Cortez later on went on to say, "This is a technique of the GOP: try to take dry humor and sarcasm literally and fact check it." Like the world ending in 12 years thing. You'd have to have the social intelligence of a sea sponge to think it's literal. Well, she's going to be very surprised to hear about a recent poll uh, talking about talking about Democrats and whether they believe uh, that the U.S. has about 12 years to aggressively fight, fight climate change before you know the whole world ends. Um, and there would be disastrous and irreparable damage to the country and the world. 67% of Democrats have the social intelligence of a sea sponge, according to Ocasio-Cortez's own, own definition. Uh, <laughs> two-thirds of Democrats say that, yes, 12 years is how long we have. And, you know, of course, wow. they've said it so many times, it's not surprising yeah. that the Democratic voters would believe it. But the idea that it was some joke or some, you know, anything other than a typical Ocasio-Cortez moment, we now know to be ridiculous. And in her... Her attempt to get out of it, she's called two-thirds of her own voters morons or sea sponges, <laughs> which is a, a tad problematic, I guess, um, but also accurate. I feel like this is the one thing, you know, every once in a while, we we can come across something where Ocasio-Cortez nails it. we can it. agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's important to point that out, I think. And I think people doubt us when we say, hey, if if these people we disagree with really strongly say something that we agree with, we'll give them credit. Yeah. Um, and... 
we're giving her credit. Right. Like She's I, right. She is right. They have the intelligence of a sea sponge. If you think the world <laughs> is going to end in 10 years, you have the social intelligence of a sea sponge. And we <laughs> agree with Ocasio-Cortez on that. I mean, finally, she's nailed something. Yeah. And we can sit here and deny just because she's from the other party, because she's from the other side of the aisle. We can say, no, Democratic <laughs> voters don't have the social intelligence of a sea sponge. But she's accurately described this. Yeah. And she's right on it. Credit she's where nailed credit it. is due. And wh- who are we just because she has a D after her name to say that she's wrong, that, that Democratic voters have more intelligence than a sea sponge? <laughs> that would be wrong, Pat. We are, we are all about bringing people together. How many times has Glenn talked about this? Oh, many, many. Bringing people together from both sides of the aisle. Here's Ocasio-Cortez outlining in extreme detail mm-hmm. with incredible accuracy, describing the intelligence of a Democratic voter. <laughs> and she nails it. And what are we going to do? Come in here and say, oh, you know what? We don't like, we don't like her policies. We disagree. No. no, we agree with her. Right. Now, if she'd like to change it and say that, that those same Democrat voters have all the intelligence of a bathroom bull brush, I'm willing to look into that as well. Yes. Because uh, you're open. You have an open I'm mind. Open. Yes. I mean, they did vote for her, many of them. And so uh, we could look into that uh, statement as well if she ever makes it. But for now, it's the sea sponge thing. And, <laughs> and we agree. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I just... I, the idea that, you know, there was just another thing that came out uh, the other day. Uh, CNN sent out one of their fam- fancy alerts on the phone. And it was like a, a worst case scenario. Um, sea levels could rise by blah, blah, blah by the end of the century. You know, like the, the typical, you know, thing you've heard a hundred times, the claims that everyone's going to die. And at least this time they included worst case scenario around it because this is what they're always doing. Mm-hmm. They cite the worst possible thing that can happen. They act as if it's the only thing that can happen and then complain that we're not taking enough action. Well, you know what? People stop believing you when you say the sky is falling. You know, when it doesn't fall, people are like, well, I don't know. Maybe what, you know, people, I don't really believe them. You know, and they're going to try to do the same thing with the, they had these tornadoes that, that have hit the Midwest and have been really devastating. Uh, Missouri was a big one. Iowa, there was, uh, there was a lot as well. Uh, but I mean, again, when you look at the, the global trends and the U.S. trends for tornadoes, there is a slight decrease over the last hundred years. But they will still watch the news tonight. You will see them blaming these tornadoes on climate change and expecting you to bu- yeah. believe it. And I don't know. I just feel like the American people have more intelligence than a sea sponge and can probably pick up the accuracy. But we'll see. We'll see. Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program, 888-727-BECK. Must be really fun uh, for the president to have to meet on a regular basis with people who absolutely hate his guts, <laughs> that just hate everything about him. And you have to sit there and and attempt to get along with them. You mean Nancy and Chuck? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he always says that he likes Nancy and Chuck, and he yes, kind of gets them, right? Like he, yeah. he Because they obviously hate his guts, and surely at some level he hates theirs as well. Though he tries to to keep a positive face on that relationship at the very least, right? Like he yeah. does kind of say, well, you know, I get them. I, you know, I understand. I've dealt with people like that my whole life. I get who they are, which is certainly a demeaning mm-hmm. way of saying it. And I think he likes that. But also, I think there is something there where he thinks they're so transactional. You know, they're so, you know, they're so transparent when it comes to this stuff. 
that they will trade. They'll do the horse trading of, of what they want for what the other side wants. They're, they can be theoretical deal makers if you don't mind giving up a couple of trillion dollars. You know, it's just a couple of trillion. It's just the two trillion, though. That's two they're trillion. Not, they're not asking for a lot of money. No, just two trillion dollars. Two is a really small number. Right. It's really small. I mean, this, there's only one, one or one or two numbers smaller. Yeah, right. You know, and uh, I, I now I I do like one of the smaller numbers, which is zero trillion. <laughs> that I would am be on nice. The, I'm on. I'm, I'm on yeah. Team Zero Trillion. Yeah, I am too. But I was devastated yesterday when I heard that they got into a little tiff, and we're not going to get our two trillion dollars of infrastructure spending. Well, let's hope that oh. keeps up. They don't find a way to come back together on that because it's bad. Well, I, last time they met as friends, it went from one trillion to two trillion. Yes. So I yes. don't want them to be friends. No. People are like, I can't believe these people can't work together. Look what happens when they work together. Only bad things. An extra trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, look, we do need infrastructure spending, Pat. I was just traveling. Uh, Wait, you traveled? Yeah, I traveled. Uh, It was risky. Not by air. Yeah, by air. Oh, my gosh. You found an airport that wasn't crumbling? Uh, Well, I can't say that, unfortunately. I was at the airport, and like an an action-adventure movie, I was running at full sprint as the entire airport was collapsing behind me and just missing the backs of my heels. (laughs) Uh, and I had to. I did have to jump over a wow. large chasm uh, where uh, to leap uh, to the other side. A chasm was there. <laughs> a chasm did was you there. shout out across that chasm? I'm Israel. No. <laughs> I did not. You didn't. I didn't do that. Okay. But was there I did no time? survive. There was it. no time to shout across the chasm. You just mm. leapt across the chasm. Uh, I did leap across the chasm, and I did turn back just <laughs> at the at the moment to see uh, a, a sad Taco Bell employee sucked into... Oh, uh, no. Yeah, no, because they wow. lost one. They have one of those airport uh, Taco Bells, and that thing... Now, I, I did save a couple bean burritos, uh, but I was unable to save the human life uh, that went into the chasm. I mean, we act as if we are like, there's the no Central bridges, African there's no Republic. Roads, we there's no roads, there's no airports. Yeah, we have no technology, no bridges, no mm-hmm. airports. We're just crumbling everywhere, and it's like... How how often do we have... Is there a certain requirement for a human being in their life to have to fall for that? Like, I, how many times are we And we expected? fell for it in 09. Yeah. And spent... $787 billion, which I believe right. turned into like 840. Uh, yes. Uh, or afterwards. And then up to maybe a billion. Or more. Or a trillion, excuse me. I think it was over a trillion eventually. And... That didn't get us a better infrastructure. We did get us some shovel-ready jobs. I'll I saw some that. signs about it. Oh yeah, lots of signs yeah. about that particular infrastructure <laughs> spending. And now here we are, you know, one president later in his first term, and we need another two trillion dollars of infrastructure spending. Like I, no, uh, like that is. I'm gonna say no to I mean, it. I'm gonna say no. So I'm glad. I, yeah, they, I they, people are like, I can't believe they can't work together. Good. The yeah. last thing we need are people like you know uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to work with. When you work with people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, you wind up on the short end of the stick every time because she's still going to go out and call you uh, Satan mm-hmm. in front of every camera. Mm-hmm. So why meet with her at all? I, I, right before their meeting, she's yeah. talking about this massive cover up that he's responsible right. for. And there's a, just a part of me and it's a small part, Pat. That has a little skepticism as to how real these events actually are. Like, does Nancy Pelosi really expect to have a pleasant meeting with donald trump when right before she walks mm. into the meeting she mm-hmm. says he's covering up a impeachable <laughs> events like come on she she's doing this intentionally she's goading insane. him into a fight right yes she looks like she's weak with her people because she has not endorsed impeachment yet so she's trying right. to now this is her effort 
to appease her base and look tough. And, look tough. Mm-hmm. and I think, honestly, there's a, a nice chunk of this out of, out of the Trump administration as well as she says, says these things in front of the camera. They're supposed to meet up. Then right after that, he walks into the meeting and says, look, you know, you're not going to you know, tell me that I'm involved in a cover up and then have this nice meeting with me about infrastructure spending. We're not doing both of these things at the same time. You know, get out. And then he walks out. Which to I the, like, by the way. Which I like. And I, yeah. I want him to say that all I the like time, that. whether she's whether she says things in front of the camera or not, <laughs> yes. because I don't yeah. want to spend another two trillion dollars. <laughs> However, then he walks into another uh, the other side of the building. And has a press conference all ready uh-huh. to go with a pre-printed <laughs> sign about what it's about. And somehow they were able to print it. They just predict well, they, they, in advance. They print signs really quickly at the they White do. House. They yeah, do. They've got a really good printing team. And he's there. like, look, I, we're not going to do both of these things. And, uh, you know, I was these investigations have to stop. Yeah, and it just it, there's a part of me that thinks that this is just all both of them playing to their bases. Here's what President Trump had to say. More quiet. Than well, I it turns out yeah. I'm the most, uh, and I think most of you would agree to this. I'm the most transparent <laughs> president, probably <laughs> in the history of this country. Uh, we have given on a witch hunt, on a hoax. The whole thing with Russia was a hoax, as it relates to the Trump administration and myself. It was a total horrible thing that happened to our country. It hurt us in so many ways. Despite that, we're setting records with the economy, with jobs, with the most most people employed today that we've ever had in the history of our country. We have the best unemployment numbers that we've had in the history of our country. In some cases, 51 years, but generally in the history of our country. Companies are moving back in. Things are going well. And I said, let's have the meeting on infrastructure. We'll get that done easily. That's one of the easy ones. And instead of walking in happily into a meeting, I walk in to look at people that had just said that I was doing a cover-up. I don't do cover-ups. He doesn't do Mm cover-ups. So... Look, done. And so he doesn't want to go down this road, which is disappointing because I was on my way to work today. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my gosh! The, the collapsing bridges. Did you? Oh, that... I got through the. I got oh, you through, did. Yeah, I got through okay. the collapsing bridges. All right. Um, however, I was driving on the highway and I noticed uh, there's a large silver thing to my right. Realized a train that had come off the track somewhere was just speeding down the highway. Without, I mean, so that's that shouldn't happen. No, we, that's why we need these extra. It's couple not good trillion. for the train, and it's not no. good for the pavement. No, it rips up the pavement. It does. Uh, like, seriously, which is already ripped up. Yeah, uh, a lot. You can barely drive on it. Yeah, it's true. Especially when all the bridges are collapsing around there. Yeah. Uh, it's a problem. It it's is. a problem. Uh, look, I I, <laughs> I, uh, I have this weird thing, which is I'm concerned about the 20 to $30 trillion in debt we currently have and the 100 to $200 trillion of debt that are already scheduled and we have no way of paying for. The idea that we're going to come out and spend an extra $2 trillion because afterwards, you know, Chuck and Nancy can have a bipartisan moment. No, mm-hmm. thank you. No, thank you. And we, we can't even come up with a budget. We haven't come up with a budget in 10 years. There's not been a national budget since 2009. We've got these continuing resolutions that run the country and operate our government. And we can't even so much as sit down and decide what we're going to spend every year and, and try to spend just what we have. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to be doing $2 trillion anythings. Really, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. 
and we're just putting all of this burden onto our our children and more likely our grandchildren and great grandchildren because you can't you can't pay this debt you and can't I, pay it i'm of the opinion i'm of of the four great uh school of thought which is anything past great 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 grandchildren they got to fend for themselves i i you know i'll care mm-hmm. about my okay. children and my grandchildren my great grandchildren so we're talking third grade what i think third it, it, grade the, i will care about when you're at great 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 grandchildren look figure it out i don't know you got right. a long time yeah. uh, you know do something <laughs> for yourself you know i mean yes i may well, am i spending money that probably they won't even pay back sure yes but, i mean how responsible am i supposed to be by that <laughs> yeah, how about this by that time figure out how to live on another planet and go back to zero on the budget okay exactly. i don't know figure it out you got a lot of got a lot of time there you know we're talking four or five generations B, you got to show a little ingenuity, you know? And it's comforting to know that we've actually got people working on that. We actually have people working mm-hmm. on living on another planet. Yeah. Bezos is very excited about it. Elon's in there. Elon's, right? yeah, he's, he's doing world. it. Yeah, he's. they're both in that world. Uh, Rich Branson's in that world. Um, and NASA is apparently getting into that world. They're talking about uh, putting a permanent base on the moon so that they can eventually go to mars and beyond and, and start all of these uh civilizations on other planets now would you spend two trillion dollars on infrastructure on the moon and that's a whole nother question i feel like that's a, that's something we could be we could talk about i think we could get together on that maybe because i mean if we could all just go i mean we could if we had like an elysium type of situation where at any point we can just kind of escape the earth and there's some mm-hmm. nice infrastructure up there, maybe a high speed train or some sort to get around the crater. Seems like in every movie there's high speed high Always. speed trains you know, it's, it's on a, Mars a, or the moon or wherever we happen to land. I love that. They were they were criticizing <laughs> Trump. He's like, Oh, he really likes infrastructure. Well, what about the California train situation? Are you still pushing for that? Didn't the Democrat didn't Gavin Newsom cancel it? I mean, yes. I mean because it was way over budget. Even Gavin Newsom said no to it. I, 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 this train thing drives me crazy. I just don't understand why people are so infatuated with freaking trains. <laughs> trains suck. <laughs> they suck. I had to ride them every single day when we lived in New York. And they blow. <laughs> they are terrible. We, we, they have this situation in California where they were going to spend, it was initially supposed to be like $1.5 billion. And then initially it got up, it got up to $100 billion pretty quickly. Now they've basically canceled it. I see it. I saw That's it. Only- a hundred times more than Just it started out, times. though. Right. That's, so that's not that big of a deal. Uh, 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 uh. I saw an article from, they're like, uh, I think it was, was it Japan or China. I can't remember. They were, they're going to launch, and they're in the middle of launching, like, this incredible new bullet train. Like, this bullet train is amazing. You know what the headline said? It approaches the speed of aircraft. You already have aircraft. <laughs> Use the aircraft. What do you mean it approaches this? What is the benefit yeah, of a train that goes slower than planes? Planes don't only have to go between two specifically designated areas. This is the great thing about them. Mm-hmm. Anywhere you put a freaking airport, a plane can land. <laughs> so if a new population center opens up in the middle of nowhere, you can just change the plane. Uh, the same day. You could say that day we're now taking this plane over there instead. And it's going to go faster <laughs> and have less problems than the train if it was a lot less expensive yeah than the airfare it's not. you could almost understand it yep. but it isn't it never is in some cases it's more right so i gotta pay more to get there slower right 
And then they were <laughs> I like, can only go Let's to that one place. A hundred billion dollars yeah, to crazy. take people from crazy. L.A. to we had Sacramento or San yeah. Francisco, whatever yeah. it was. And when they have a hundred flights going back and forth anyway, and they're already relatively inexpensive, you're not going to save any money going on this train. No, you're just going to get there in ten times the amount of your life. It's going to cost you 10 times the amount of your life to get there, and they're never going to build the thing anyway. And by the time it's done, it's going to be going to some area where people are no longer living. I'm guessing you're not going to be doing commercials for Amtrak not anytime a, no, soon. No, no, right? I will not. That's not happening. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Uh, a little discrepancy in how much of the border wall has been built. Now, yesterday we had a story that there were 1.7 miles built. <laughs> 1.7. So we're almost there. Um, How long is the border? Is it, what, two miles? It, it, I think it's two and a half, a, maybe two just and a half. A, just a little bit longer than that. Okay. It's like 2,000 miles. Okay. There but is a two in it, though. There is a two okay. in it. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the White House yesterday said, and Sarah Sanders said that was that was not accurate. It's tw- And then the figure 20 miles came up. Okay. And then Sarah Sanders said, none of those were accurate. It's 100 miles. And they're still on track for 500 by the end of the year. If that's true, that's not bad. I mean, that's if they, if they can do 500 miles this year of, of new border wall, I think that'd be okay. I mean, yeah. that's a good start. I'm going to need an audit on that. Yeah. Uh, because I'd like to see it. We though. have heard a lot of claims, and the administration has done this several times, in which they've said repairing existing fence yeah, means that doesn't count. new fence. No, that, uh, to that me, does that doesn't count. count. No. No. That's, uh, that's, not, that's not what the we're The campaign promise about. wasn't, I'm going to repair the fence that's already there. We're going to build a wall. And look, you know, he can't do, do, I, I mean, he can't do it by himself. And Right. And the Democrats are kicking and screaming and fighting him every step of the way. Yeah. And I guess so far they've compiled all together about $6 billion for this, and that'll pay for supposedly four or 500 miles. So if they could do that, I'd be pretty happy with, uh, with that as a good start. Yeah, I'm not, you know, we've talked about this before. I'm not thrilled mm-hmm. with the whole emergency thing. Uh, so no, I'm not either. Funding, so, and I know you're not. not either. But, but, and, you know, most people aren't. But, I mean, <clears> it is a huge concern as far as what's going on on the border, and, and addressing it is, is important. And, obviously, you're not going to get anything out of Chuck and Nancy. You know, I mean, no. that would be an easy one, right? Like, it's infrastructure. This is a legitimate piece of our infrastructure that is crumbling. Right. Where they could go in and spend some money to to protect uh, the borders, and they don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. They, you know, they just want to make our airports have Wi-Fi. And it's like, I, <laughs> I, it's hard to take it seriously. Yeah. Well, what should be the priority? I don't know. Let's stop the flow of drugs and illegals. This is the Glenn Beck Program. With Pat and Stu for Glenn. Uh, by the way, you can catch my show, uh, Pat Gray Unleashed, weekday mornings right before Glenn, uh, right here on The Blaze. Uh, and you can actually listen to it anytime you want on the, on the podcast. They're available wherever you can get podcasts. 888-727-BECK. Uh, our taxpayer dollars are being well spent. I think you'll agree. When we funnel them into uh, the National Public Radio, NPR. I love the new guidelines that were published by NPR on how we can properly use phrases while reporting on the abortion debate. I, I am fascinated by this. And I, it's a, there's a central sort of thing going on where I, I've never noticed this before. 
and it, here it is happening. Um, listen to this. This is uh, from the New York Times, and I've, I've mentioned this uh, on previous broadcasts. Uh, the fetal heartbeat. It is now a thing that is no longer a thing. I, I mean, I. There's this argument that when does life start? I don't know. When does it start? Well, okay, it starts uh, when it's when the baby's born, or it starts at conception, or it starts at viability. I think or it starts at cognitive ability. Thirty-two. I think you're really alive. Or if it's 32 years when old. When you're 32. When you're 32. Well, you can't, yeah. you can't be president yet. So 35. Let's okay, call it 35. 35. Yes. 35 years old is when, when life <clears throat> begins. And there's been this debate that goes on for a long time. And some people <laughs> say it's you know when the heart starts beating. It's a pretty logical one, right? Yeah. We know when the heart stops beating, it's generally when we say there's no more life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So to say, like, it's not in the most insane pro-choice argument to say until the heart is beating it's not an abortion right like i it's not my position but i it's it's not the most extreme pro-choice argument to say that yeah i think we both agree life begins at conception yes however like if you were to say okay well you know what you got the first six weeks uh until the heartbeat comes out certainly that would cut down our abortions dramatically yeah it's what alabama's basically trying to do but there's an indication of life when you have a heartbeat well the heartbeat and that line has been a part of the conversation for a long time. When does life begin? Now we've come to a point where the heartbeat may not actually be a heartbeat. Well, and this is fascinating. Give, they can't give that ground because if it's a heartbeat, clearly that's life. You've got a heart, it's beating, you're alive. And that's certainly the strategy of people who are pro life, right? Like, yes. like, hey, recognize yeah. there's a life thing going but on. But it's here, also. Guys science yeah it's also biology it's also reality exactly so listen to this and we found this multiple times and we've been hitting it over the past few weeks and i never noticed it before the past couple of weeks the new laws that prohibit abortion as early as the sixth week of pregnancy have been called quote heartbeat end quote legislation by supporters Mm. Now, there you could say maybe they're just referring to the name of the bill. That's why they put it in quotes. <laughs> now, I've seen in several previous uh, articles that we brought up on the program and on the News and Why It Matters and other shows that it's not just when they're referring to the name of the legislation. They're saying, like, it's a reference to the fetal, quote-unquote, heartbeat. And it's like, what, what, what else is it? Like, what, the, what are you <laughs> saying it is? The New York Times has attempted the uh, explanation here today. And I think oh, good. you're going to appreciate this. All right. It's a quote-unquote heartbeat, a reference to the flickering pulse that can be seen on ultrasound images of a developing embryo. Oh, the flickering pulse. The flickering pulse. Okay. Now, my thought was, do you, I mean, do you think it's a strobe light? So it's like, a what like, is it exactly? It's like E.T.'s heart light. Right. It could be that. <laughs> Turn on your heart light. It could be one of those uh, lights that when you're in a boat <laughs> and if you put it in water, it starts fla- flashing like, a, you know, to, to get people's attention, like one of those mm. uh, marine strobe lights. Could be mm-hmm. that. Uh, it could be a a rave going on inside the womb. Oh. Perhaps there's a party and there's there are glow sticks and there's flashing uh, li- lights from a club. It's not a flickering pulse. It is a heartbeat. This is not something that was. Again, we're told we're the ones that are anti-science, and mm-hmm. they're telling us a heartbeat is a flickering pulse. What the hell is a flickering pulse? It's not a flickering pulse. It is the beat of a heart as it's developing. Um, and we've seen this now in utterly amazing form when uh, when the uh, the abortion procedures and uh, terminology and rights uh, are discussed by uh, NPR that you brought up. I am 
blown away reading this. Again, there are certain levels of of denial we can get into, right? Mm-hmm. You can get like when you're watching a, a movie with a crazy plot, you have to go into that. You have to you have to like take that break from reality. And you have to kind of accept, well, yeah, some people can fly. Some people can shoot lasers out of their eyes. Sometimes there are giant monsters going out of the sea. And obviously, I know Godzilla is real, but I'm saying, generally speaking, these things aren't real. And there's that suspension of disbelief that you have to have. Reading this NPR guideline, it's, it's, I, I'm almost to the Godzilla level with it. It's so unbelievable. Mm-hmm. We'll give you the details of it in 60 seconds. Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. Uh, so NPR has some new guidelines for uh, what their hosts call certain abortion terms. Mm-hmm. Now, this uh, is what they, they say. They say one thing to keep in mind about this law and others like it. Proponents refer to it as a, quote, fetal heartbeat law. That is their term. It needs to be attributed to them if used and put in quotation marks if printed. So this is actually sort of explaining this confusion wow. I've had. They're just, because the heartbeat is part of the name of the bill, they're acting as if it's a concept not understood by science. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a heartbeat. Well, that's what they're calling it. But I mean, that, that's they're calling that's it that because it it's accurate, right? Yeah, they're not that's calling what it, it is. I mean, yes, it does make a powerful point about life. It does. And it is a reason. And part of the reason they're doing it is to convince people hey, this thing that you think you're quote-unquote aborting is just life that you're ending. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that, is a, that is part of the reason they're targeting the heartbeat. But it's like, it's, it's in a way, a, 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 um, a moment of, of coming together. I mean, it, it, I want zero abortions. Zero. Okay, I don't want it to be legal. You know, when they say, hey, this new law you're passing is just a Trojan horse for getting rid of abortion. It's not a Trojan horse. I'm telling you, it's mm. right there. That's part of the plan. <laughs> I want that to be the future, and we'll get there. However, um, th- th- in a way, it's a compromise from the right. Like someone who, is a ge- someone who thinks, hey, this is life and you're ending life. You're probably saying that uh, I'll give you six weeks isn't, isn't the ideal position, Right. You want life that begins at conception. You want it to go to the end of the pregnancy. However, it's six but weeks. But it's a really good step it's, in the right direction. And it's a really good line. It makes sense. If yeah. you're a Democrat, you can say, yeah. okay, well, look. I mean, think about this in, in the way we actually talk about abortion. Uh, a, a woman has unprotected sex or uh, gets pregnant in some, in some fashion um, and realizes they've made a mistake, then uh, you know, wants to abort their baby. Well, this gives them six weeks to do that. And they keep saying, well, they don't even know if they're pregnant. Well, they have morning after pills for a reason. Like this was this is when you make a mistake like that. If something happens that you, you I shouldn't have done that. That was a mistake. I can't have a baby right now. That's why they have the morning after pill. You know, we've talked about this before and that like in a sensible world, the left wing position is the morning after pill. Right. In a, in, a, in a world. Now, look, I think there should be no abortion at all. But like in a sensible world with debate, there it wouldn't be nine months or right after birth. You could still abort the kid. It would be. All right. Look, if you made a mistake before we even know that you're pregnant, you have a chance to stop whatever's going on. And we won't even know if there was if anything even happened. Right. We don't even know if you were, the person was pregnant. We wouldn't even know. It's like a, it's like mm-hmm. the the blind firing squad. Right. Like where, you know, there's like 25 people. The guy's got the blindfold on and there's like 25 people with guns and no one knows who's shooting the real bullet in the blank. Right. It's like that sort of concept. And like, I'm not saying that's a good position. I'm just saying like that would be a position that would be should be extreme in our society. Right. Like, at least, you know, but it's not. It's like the it's the very beginning of the pro choice argument. 
So you'd think that there'd be some room for something uh, like that. But that is that is part of the reason they do it. Uh, they go on to abortion procedures and terminology. And, I mean, listen to this. Partial birth is not a medical term and has no exact parallel in medical terminology. Intact dilation and extraction is the closest description. Now, of course, that's an extraction. Right, extraction. Think about what extraction means, right? Wow. Now, that sounds like a doctor term. And that's why partial birth abortion exists, because what it does is it describes what's going on, and they don't like that. Also, it is not correct, and this I thought was interesting, the one point uh, to the side of maybe the pro-life argument in uh, in, in this piece. Also, it is not correct to call these procedures rare. It is not known how often they are performed. Now, they're talking about what we would call partial birth abortion. They always say that's rare. You know, I get this from uh, pro-choice people from time to time. They're like, well, I mean, come on. It's, what is it, 1% of abortions, 2% of abortions are late term, and we keep talking about that? Yeah, I guess we shouldn't talk about the 7 or 8 9-11s that happen every year, mm-hmm. because that's basically what we're talking about when we talk about, like, nine, you know, third-term, late-term abortions, nine, ninth-month abortions, some of these uh, partial birth procedures, which they, you know, sometimes are earlier than uh, nine months. But still, like, we're talking about tens of thousands of babies that could have you know could be born uh and are viable and could be you know many people are you know many babies are born and live at that point and npr doesn't want you to use the late term abortion term either no that's bad <clears throat> well it's it carries ideological baggage Stu. and it we, does we, yeah we don't want the ideological baggage of late term abortion <laughs> it's unbelievable I, I i mean this is so partisan this is so biased no. yeah i love this part <laughs> This is fantastic because uh, we're talking about the 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 you know partial birth abortion. It gives the impression that abortion takes place in the eighth or ninth month. In fact, the procedure called intact dilation and extraction is performed most often in the fifth or sixth month, the, the second trimester, which, by the way, is still overwhelmingly unpopular with American the American people. Uh, the second trimester is not considered late pregnancy, thus late term is not appropriate. As an alternative, and let this roll off your tongue, Pat, because I think you okay. okay. If you're going to mm-hmm. say, "Hey, I wanna, uh, they're talking about late term abortions," instead say. As an alternative, uh, they're talking about a certain procedure performed after the first trimester of pregnancy and subsequently the procedure, (laughs) and then give the technical name. Instead of late term, they want you to use, this is a quote, call it a certain procedure performed after the first trimester of pregnancy. Why why can't you say what trimester is that? Only after the first one. And subsequently, then say the actual name of the procedure. Um, They also will not use the term abortion clinics. They say medical or health clinics that perform abortions. I mean, if that's not spin, I don't know what is. No, one, no one's disagreeing with the medical or health part of it. No one's saying, oh, we, we are against sonograms. You know, like, <laughs> there's no one saying that. Um, the point is not to use abortion before the word clinic. The clinics perform other procedures and not just abortions. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think if you say, um, you know, uh, McDonald's is a hamburger restaurant, Yes, they also do serve egg McMuffins, right? They do serve they do serve salads, though. To call it a salad restaurant would be wrong, right? They don't mm-hmm. seem to have a problem with that. It's also um, wrong to say George Tiller, the murdered uh, uh, abortion doctor. Don't call him an abortion doctor. Instead, we should say Tiller operated a clinic where abortions are performed. And this one is, I think, the most clear uh, example of bias. The term "unborn" implies that there is a baby inside a pregnant woman not a fetus babies are not babies until they are born 
This is all quoting. Wow. They're fetuses. Incorrectly calling mm. a fetus a baby or the unborn is part of the strategy used by anti-abortion groups to shift the language, legality, and public opinion. Wow. And then finally, this, this is amazing because this one might even be more direct. On the air, we should use abortion rights supporter or advocates. Okay, so if someone is on the pro-choice side, they are abortion rights supporters or advocates. Um, and you could say abortion rights opponents. However, it is acceptable to use anti-abortion rights, but don't use pro-abortion rights. You can use mm. anti-abortion rights. So someone mm-hmm. who's on pro-life side is against rights. Yeah. But you can't say pro-abortion rights. Now, if you were so proud of the right that you're talking about, why wouldn't you want to use pro-abortion rights? I mean, these are direct anti-abortion rights and pro-abortion rights. You can use one but not the other. Like, that is a clear example of how they want to do everything they can to control the language and win the argument. This whole guideline could have been written by Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Might as well have been. With the exception of, the, of saying that late-term abortions are rare. And the yes. only, right. We actually have no freaking idea if they're rare or not, which is an amazing wow. admission from NPR, yeah, by the is. way. Yeah, it is. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. Of course, Ilan Omar uh, understands where we're coming from on the right. She sees right through us. Uh, Her eyes pierce our armor of, yeah. of disguise. Yeah, we are so transparent under her steely gaze. <laughs> frightening, really. It's it frightening. Really I feel is. so vulnerable now. Mm-hmm. Um, here she is uh, from the House floor, talking about the religious right and uh, our pro-life viewpoints. Religious fundamentalists are currently trying to manipulate state laws in order to impose their beliefs on an entire society. All with complete disregard for voices and the rights of American women. There's something called a recent effort. It's interesting that there's something with Ilan Omar in that she is never saying these things without reading them. Like she, mm-hmm. every speech I've seen of her where she's making these controversial statements, as you're about to hear, she's always just reading it word for word. She can't take her eyes off of the, and, and many times mm-hmm. reading it wrong. I mean, as what was the, mm-hmm. um, what was the, the, oh, the Iran Kortra affair? Remember that oh, yeah. whole situation? The yeah. Iran Kortra affair? I mean, <laughs> someone with absolutely no knowledge of the topic she's speaking of. That's an, <laughs> but she's always reading it. I mean, obviously someone's writing these things for her. Many times she's reading it for the first time in front of people. And that's why a lot of times she stumbles sure over like it. it. She doesn't seem to know what the words are. She doesn't know what the references are. Yeah. Uh, it's it, There's a weird thing going on with her in particular. not Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez speaking off the top of her head a lot. And that's what leads to her you know, c- continuous mistakes. Mm-hmm. Omar is always reading things, not just notes, word for word, staring at the paper the entire time this is going on to give you the, uh, the mental picture here. All right, go ahead. The recent efforts, like those in Alabama, in Georgia, are only the latest in a long history of efforts to criminalize women's, women for simply existing. <laughs> women's women. Now, to women's, punish us when we existing. don't conform no. to their attempts to control this us. This is asinine. But it because is. it's happening here with the support of the ultra-conservative religious right, we call it religious freedom. What? It's simply unthinkable. Let's just be honest. Okay, be honest. For the religious right, 
This isn't simply simply about their care right. or concern for mm-hmm. life. How many syllables are it simply? If they cared about <laughs> 17 or were concerned about children, yeah, then they would, would they be do? concerned They're about about the, the children that are children. being detained, oh. detained and those that are dying, dying. in camps mm-hmm. across our border. And this is uh, it. Okay, let's stop for a second. Um, across our border. This is an interesting point. Mm. Now, Pat, I remember when in 2014, I believe it was, uh, Barack Obama, President of the United States, you mm-hmm. took a little trip to the border. Do you remember yes. what you did there? Was it to build new camps? No, camp? no, it wasn't. Uh, it was out of concern for the kids that were at the border, and we brought them Christmas presents. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And and when you when you build a wall mm-hmm. and you increase border security, what is your intent with something? I mean, as I know it's racism, but other than racism, <laughs> what is your intent? Would it be to stop people from entering a place in which they could be detained by law? Uh, yes, it, that seems pretty logical. Yeah. yeah. It seems mm-hmm. like if you were to build a wall and, and secure the border, you would have no problems at all uh, th- with children coming across the border be a lot and dying. less of them. Yeah. Yeah. There'd be... So, Hopefully none. If you know, obviously it's nothing can be perfect, but right. there'd be as few as possible. Yes. So, do you care about children? I actually do. Yeah, yes. I kind of yeah. yeah, do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. And, and we we that's pretty central to the entire thing on both issues. By the way, yes. I mean, you know how the compassionate part of the border has become. Oh, let them all come over here and run through the deserts with no water. Asinine. Is, it, is it an asinine? You know, it it is the exact reverse. Uh, of of what is real and it's like saying babies aren't babies and encouraging it is is bringing more people across the border who die in the deserts of mm-hmm. Arizona, Texas and New Mexico. Yep. It's just that's not the compassionate thing to do. Pat and Stu on the Glenn Beck program. Glenn's back on uh Tuesday cuz we're heading into a 3-day weekend here with Memorial Day, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Uh, and because you've had a brutal three day week here, Stu. And, well, and uh, three day week last week too. And last so week, so it's been. Now next week you're doing a full four, four day week. Yeah, which I'm not happy about. <laughs> you shouldn't be. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. I really don't know how you I, do it. It's basically sacrifice for the American people. <laughs> I just put I put just the American give, people above myself, and you it's, give, I, and you give. It's just something that I do. Yeah. You know, people. Am I a hero? Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> so you would say yes. I would say yes if yeah, asked. I, I was not asked yeah, right, okay. uh, if I was a hero, but I would say yes if asked. I'm just trying to be clear for the American people. Uh, and of All course, right. when you're here, and for of course, days, you're a Canadian sports celebrity as well I am as that. a hero. So I am that. that's, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's me. That's uh, me. It is you. Uh, are you? I think uh, I think most people are now familiar with the Babylon Bee, right? Have you and Glenn talked about it much? Yeah, yeah. They've done some really funny articles. Kind of like um, I, I say, almost like a conservative. Onion, yes. in a way? That's uh, a really good description of it. Okay. And, uh, like, the other day they did this thing uh, about a gay man who went to Chick-fil-A, took one bite of the sandwich, and instantly became straight. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, he, and then he went to Burger King, and it changed him back. Uh, okay. But... Uh, but really funny stuff and really well written. Yeah, they do a good job. Yeah. Uh, and I, I will say, too, I feel like when they first burst out of the scene, I remember thinking, eh... You know, yeah, some of them were okay, yeah. but it was a lot of hit or miss stuff. Lately, I, I, it's been the last couple of years. Honestly, they have mm-hmm. been pretty on all over it. Yeah, uh, and impressive. They have a great one out about the abortion uh, thing going on today. Uh, it's titled "Pregnancy Kills, Abortions Save Lives." <laughs> Pre- 
Pregnancy is a life-threatening condition. Oh, wow. Women die from being pregnant. We have known that for thousands of years. Pregnancy is dangerous. Abortion can be life-saving. <laughs> uh, Alabama's new law claims that it does not prohibit abortion if there is a reasonable med- medical judgment that the pregnancy poses a serious health risk to the woman. But pregnancy itself poses a serious health risk, <laughs> including the risk of dying and losing all bodily functions. A woman's life and health are at risk from the moment that a pregnancy exists in her body, whether she wants to be pregnant or not. Um, maybe all of this is moot. Perhaps the goal of the Alabama law, in addition to a triggering a deal, a legal challenge to Roe versus Wade, may be to discourage doctors from even practicing medicine in the state, lest they be accused of performing an illegal abortion and sentenced to prison for the rest of their lives. Perhaps the vagueness of the law and the confusion is the point. Vagueness and confusion are tools of tyranny. The intent of the Alabama legislature and its new law is clearly to prohibit and prevent abortions from being performed. Now, this but pa- does it? This particular Babylon B story yeah. is is less funny than it is outrageous. Yeah, it's, the concept you know? is funny. There are yeah. a lot of laugh lines in there, uh, right? Um, partially, that could be because it's not from the Babylon B. <laughs> it's a serious <laughs> column written in the New York Times. That's amazing. Pregnancy kills, abortion saves lives is the freaking headline. Now, as bizarre as this is, because like you can make this argument about anything. For example, Mm. should you ever eat food? Eating food kills kills because we know you're much more likely to choke on solid food than a drink. So why (laughs) are we not all having protein shakes all the time? Plus, how many people get heart disease from the food they eat? Thank you. Millions. Thank you. Millions. Millions. Di- diabetes. 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 I was trying yes. to think of the way that Wilford Brimley does it. Diabetes. <laughs> diabetes yes. is caused. That's this another way, one. Right? I mean, every what, getting in a car, right, is, kills. Uh, is it kills. It, it mm-hmm. doesn't do anything good. It just kills. It's a ridiculous way of looking at it. But the stunning thing about this is if you've ever taken the time to actually read the Roe versus Wade decision, this is their justification for it. This exact column, what they are saying in Roe versus Wade, it's spelled out directly. You are more likely to die uh, when you get pregnant than when you have an abortion. The abortion is something that, and this is, look. By the way, somebody is, always dies during an abortion. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the baby who's being aborted. Unless they fail, always. and then they just let them die on the table. That's yeah. a, a little bit of a difference. Right. But yeah, you're right. Always. It's so got to be 99.5% of the time. Right. I mean, I, this this line, is it's incredible. Uh, you know, uh, pregnancy pro- itself pro- poses a serious health risk, including the risk of dying and losing all bodily functions. You mean like the baby every single time in an abortion? Yeah. Like every single one of these, the desire Jeez. of the procedure is to make all bodily functions stop. That's the, that's the intent. Mm-hmm. The, the intent of a pregnancy is not to do that to a woman. Obviously, we know, and it's much, much better than it used to be, but it does occasionally, someone, a, a woman does die in pregnancy. It used to be really high, the percentages, and we've come, come a long, long way in stopping that from occurring. But the idea that that is something that is an argument for abortion is completely upside down, but also the central reasoning of Roe versus Wade. That's what they said. Now, at some point, uh, there may be a reversal of that. Right? Would they? Mm-hmm. Would then? Would then the left? Would this abortion doctor happily give up abortion rights at that point? If we could get to a point where you know what childbirth is now, there's no deaths from childbirth, but there's still deaths from abortion. Would they then say 
that abortion should go away? My not. guess is no. No. Because it's got not. nothing to do with what they're saying. It's a lie. It's as big a lie as anything in the Babylon Bee, which is intentionally telling you it's a lie. It's a mm-hmm. satire site. But this is a real article. This is the stuff. I mean, we talk about this all the time, Pat. There was a time in which, and they still exist, for pro-choice people had what amounted to seemingly sensible arguments and rational positions from the idea that at least they seemed like nice people. They seemed like people who were like not denying reality. They just, you know, look, they had a different opinion or whatever. Mm-hmm. We are now to the point where we're talking about abortions at nine months. We're talking about, um, you know, ab- abortion is a lifesaver. Again, like the the intent of it is to end a life. How can it be a lifesaver? It's it's one of these things where we've gone so far in this debate that Roe versus Wade seems like something, some mythical like artifact from the the past. A move to Roe versus well, it Wade is. is a move to the right. We talk about overturning mm-hmm. Roe versus Wade. If we could get back to Roe versus Wade, it would be a massive improvement from where we are right now. Massive. And we talked about this yesterday on, on the news and why it matters as well. Um, but this idea that the debate is now occurring in the ninth month, the third trimester, even the second trimester, which abortions are overwhelmingly unpopular in the second trimester and third trimester from all American people, not just Republicans. The idea that that's where the debate is shows how extreme this has become. This is this is straight out denial. We're putting quotes around the word heartbeat. We're calling it a flickering pulse. This is insanity. There's mm-hmm. no connection to reality anymore when it comes to this stuff. Well, the left have become science deniers. They used to accuse us of that all the time yeah. because of the climate change thing. Uh, and they do nothing but deny science now. Nothing in, but. in the the abortion debate, they deny science. In in the gender debate, they deny science. They're just not about science anymore. They've just thrown that flush shot completely down the toilet now. Yeah. I mean, Glenn's last book, uh, Addiction, Addiction, <clears throat> Addicted to Outrage, had a big part about it, about postmodernism. And a lot of it feels like, uh, you know, look, it's some dumb thing that some college professor, you know, is, is teaching some 20-year-old who comes out and thinks they're really smart, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. it stinks of that. But it's so yeah. central to what's going on now. It is. Words that mean things no longer mean things. The heartbeat is not a, it's not a, there's not a disagreement about what a heartbeat is. Yet now we have to put quotes around it. We have to, well, I don't know. Is it a flickering pulse or is it a heartbeat? Is it a baby or is it a fetus? Like a fetus is just a stage a baby is in. That's it. That's what it is. It's not, mm-hmm. so, again, it doesn't turn into broccoli. It yeah. doesn't turn into a radish. It doesn't turn into a Volkswagen. You know, it is, it is, we all know it's just a stage of life. Is what a fetus is. It's what an embryo is. It's what a baby is. It's what a human is. It's what an adult is. It's what a child is. It's what a teenager is. It's what all these things are. They're stages of a life. And the idea that now we have, you know, they're like, I I would love to know. The NPR guide says don't use uh, a baby. A baby isn't a baby until it's born. Uh, How many times has NPR referred to a baby bump? How many times has NPR, uh, you know, uh, she's having a baby? How do we know? If it's just a fetus, right. how do we know she's having a baby? We don't know. You're speculating there. Who knows what it turns out to be? <laughs> could be a glow stick. It well, could be a, a rutabaga. Some kind of pulsating uh, light. 
uh, right in there. It could be, you know, there's a new sequel coming out to Men in Black. It could be those Men in Black things going off, the flashes oh, yeah. that make everybody lose their memory. Maybe that's just constantly happening on a beat all the time inside the womb. Because there is a flickering pulse going on. We used to understand what that was. I know mm-hmm. when uh, uh, we went through, um, and really my wife did most of the work here, but childbirth uh, twice, uh, I remember the expert who worked at the place where the, the baby doctors work telling us, hey, there's the heartbeat. Can you hear the heartbeat? They've never called it a flickering pulse. Can you Not hear once. the flickering pulse? Not ever has a doctor said, <laughs> see that flickering pulse? Yeah, that's your fetus. <laughs> it is. That's your fetus. They don't say that either. They say that's your baby. baby. And it's not that's that's a, a doctor saying that. That's yeah, not that's right. not just a right wing uh, you know extremist. This is what doctors know. Just a crazy. We all know now. this. We all know it's this. It's just crazy. And like it's just I I can't get over the <clears throat> fact that instead of trying to justify these ridiculous positions, they just act as if they're correct. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's, it's just a flickering pulse. What are you talking about? Of course it's a flickering pulse. It's science. What do you what do you, what do you mean it's science? It's not a flickering pulse. It is a heartbeat. We all know it's a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And the reason you won't admit it's a heartbeat is because you have a different agenda. You want to protect abortion at all costs. It is an absolute religious tenant at this point. You can it has It is. Abortion I, is a religion. It is two to the left, and and it's a dark one, man. Yeah, that is very. a dark freaking. That is like the guys in the Temple of Doom. You know, they're down in a, in, in a cave somewhere, ripping hearts out of people. That's the kind of religion it is. You mean flickering pulses, ripping, <laughs> ripping flickering pulses out of people? <laughs> Pat and Stu for Glenn, triple eight seven two seven B E C K. Coming up in about uh, fifteen minutes or so, we're going to be talking to um, Mark Levin about his new book unfreedom of the press which is a number one new york times bestseller no surprise there of course even but, beat uh, uh, howard stern's book oh did it really yeah wow yeah jeez that's amazing that's huge um yeah he's gonna be coming on uh, obviously he's a host on blaze tv as well if you have not subscribed and you like mark levin and you like uh pat and and glenn and the whole uh, crew here subscribe blaze tv.com mm-hmm. slash glenn if you use the promo code glenn they save you 10 bucks uh, it's definitely worth your time let's go to robert in california hey robert you're on the glenn beck program Hey, morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Doing good. Yeah. You really concerned, yeah, or are you just making small talk? Uh, I'm, uh, kind of both. Yeah, both? Uh, your last segment wanted me to go down a couple of rabbit holes, but I'll try mm-hmm. to get straight to the point. Okay. Um, if you're legally dead uh, when your brain activity stops and they can pull the plug, um, why can't you defeat any arguments based on religion or anything else and say you're legally alive when the brain activity starts? It just so happens if you do the research, it's about 42 to 45 days after conception, uh, six weeks. Uh, so the heartbeat wow. and the brain activity kind of the same. So it takes the emotions out of it. It actually solves some problems, and some politicians might be out of a job um, because you're actually solving issues. And this goes back, it's an interesting point, mm-hmm. Robert, and this goes back to what we were talking about about how far the debate has moved. I have a friend of mine who's a pro-choice and a guy I really like, and he he was like, well, you know, look, I I don't agree with you on this. And he said, uh, you know, I think it's a time, um, it's it's cognitive. When when the cognitive activities begin is when I would say life begins. And as as the caller points Mm -hmm. out, I've heard six weeks, I've heard 10 weeks for that, but it's very early in the pregnancy where that actually begins. And it's interesting in that like people who now consider themselves to be pro-choice are making arguments far more extreme than 
90% of Republicans are making when, because Republicans are trying to ban it at 20 weeks yeah. in most states. Yeah. You know, Alabama's an exception. Most of them are 20 weeks, but the Alabama six weeks law basically lines up with my friend who considers himself pro-choice. Crazy. Like, I, it's it amazing. really is amazing how Thanks, far Robert. this has moved. Uh, it is. And there's, I, I think, six states now that have heartbeat bills and then two others that have limited to um, the like early in the second trimester. Utah and Arkansas, limited abortion. I mean, that's just a really tiny little baby step, mm-hmm. pun intended. A little baby step there to just to take it out of the third trimester into the second trimester. But the really impressive heartbeat bills, uh, and then in Alabama's case, the almost total ban on abortion is really bold and has pushed this is pushed this debate back into the public forum and that's why we're able to talk about it again on such a regular basis and that's why the democrats are so the left is just out of their mind on this because we're engaged again Mm -hmm. we're activated again and we haven't been activated like this on on abortion for a really long time i mean we've been talking about it a little bit but this is a it's a different level now. We're yeah. we're at a completely different level. And again, like it's it's one of those debates that's uncomfortable to have. It's an uncomfortable conversation. But mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's worth an uncomfortable conversation when you're talking about 62 million people that should be alive that aren't. Maybe. Yeah. Some I people mean, think that's important. Yeah. It seems like it's worth it. Yeah. It seems like it's worth it. And as far as women's rights, uh, about half of them are a little bit, slightly more, would have been women. Mm had they been allowed to to be born so all right mark levin coming up in just a few minutes this is the glenbeck program today with pat and Stu for glenn triple eight seven two seven beck coming up in about 60 seconds we're going to be speaking with mark levin about his new book on freedom of the press joining us now is mark levin uh from the of course nationally syndicated radio show from uh blaze tv from uh levin tv and his uh new book is on freedom of the press mark welcome pat how are you my friend doing well thanks um you know this this book couldn't be any more timely especially with the news of npr coming out with their new abortion language uh (laughs) pretty amazing well basically what i've tried to do with this book i wasn't going to write about the press but it's kind of in your face every day Mm -hmm. so uh they keep claiming they represent freedom of the press so i decided to take a look and so I looked at the history of the press, and then I looked how it cycled through throughout the uh, decades and the various transitions it's gone through. And uh, I just want the public to know you feel this, but when you look at the history of the press, this is the lowest point the media's ever been in. I call it the mass media. The mass media is different than a free press. Free press is something that belongs to us. It's in the First Amendment. This is what the founders fought for. They didn't fight for Comcast or Times Warner, Time Warner. They didn't fight for these guys. Now, these guys are free to do what they want. Nobody's saying, you know, the government should interfere, and the government's not, neither is the president. But we need to be honest about who they are and what they're doing. <clears throat> so what I do, as I lay out early in the book, who they are and what they're doing. You look at the incestuous relationship between the Democrat Party and the media. I mean, it's overwhelming. Um, people who've moved between the party and administrations, uh, into the media and back and forth, family members. You look at where they live. The vast majority live in and around Washington, D.C. and New York. These are hard blue communities. They socialize with each other. They party with each other. 
There's almost no diversity in newsrooms in terms of a thinking process. There's no independent thought in these newsrooms, and you can see it. And survey after survey, poll after poll of them will tell you they're not, there's nobody, no newsroom really, major newsroom that's, that's right of center or center. Uh, they're all pretty much the same. That's why we put these montages together, I'm sure you guys too, where they're all saying the same thing, every, every news platform. There's a reason for that. Because it's groupthink, it's a pack mentality. But it's even worse than it's ever been, I'll tell you why. They push progressivism, and that's been going on really off and on for about 100 years. But now they're social activists. That's new in the last 20 or 30 years. So you have these younger and younger so-called journalists who come in, and they're being taught this. There's a number of uh, journalism schools and professors who have pushed this philosophy. They say, hey, look, the civil rights movement, the right to vote, um, Obamacare, all these things would not have happened but for the progressive ideology. So you wash the news through the progressive ideology, you interpret it, you analyze it, you promote it. That's what we need to do. And that is what they're doing. So they're, they're actually creating events and then reporting on these events. I have people call my show and they say, why won't the media admit they were wrong for two and a half years on Russia collusion? And I said, wrong? They're participants. In other words, who do you think these people were leaking to at the FBI and, uh, and, these, and these security agencies and so forth? They're leaking to the New York Times and CNN and the Washington Post. They're not going to apologize. They're on a mission. And so I walk through the book. I go through these different issues. I have a chapter on news, propaganda, and pseudo-events. Uh, early on, propagandists during the, uh, during the uh, Woodrow Wilson administration pseudo-events, you know, Trump calls them fake news, he's right, and um, a brilliant man, he was a former historian, University of Chicago, was head of the Library of Congress, Bornston, wrote a whole book on pseudo-events, and he says most news is about pseudo-events. What you see on TV is mostly unreality, it has nothing to do with your life, and this is a big problem, particularly in a republic that's relatively free. That means that the press isn't giving us information that we can use in our lives. It's not giving us information, legitimate information about the government so we can hold it in check. It's pushing an agenda. And that's why there's not a dime's worth of difference between the agenda of the Democrat Party and the agenda of the media, the agenda of the media. And I also point out in one of the chapters called Collusion, Abuse of Power and, and Character. These are the areas they hit Trump on. And look at American history. There have been presidents and others who have colluded with foreign governments. This one hasn't. There have been presidents who have literally abused power, who have shut down newspapers, who have locked up journalists, who have used the IRS against their political opponents, FBI, CIA, recent presidents, like Kennedy, like Lyndon Johnson, among them. Mm. Now, that's an abuse of power. Trump has never done anything like that. You talk about character. They have to keep talking about Stormy Daniels and non-disclosure agreements. Since he's been president in the Oval Office, has there been a whisper of a scandal? No. And yet we have presidents who had women coming and going left and right, interns, all kinds of things. <laughs> that, that's not Trump. So there's this unreality we're being fed. They're pushing this agenda. There was no Russia collusion. Then they push obstruction. Then they push constitutional crisis. Now they're pushing impeachment. I just feel like Thomas Paine. You know, I think back to that period. Glenn does this a lot, too. Mm -hmm. We had the early pamphleteers and the colonists, and they spoke to each other, and they informed each other. We need to do that. We need to do a hell of a lot more of that. So I view this book, Unfreedom of the Press, really as a modern-day pamphlet, 
and I want people, I hope, to read it, to pass it along, to discuss it. But here's the good news in a sick kind of way. A lot of these companies are going out of business. CNN has no ratings. You yeah. can't have no ratings forever. Mm-hmm. The New York Times was going broke until this billionaire from Mexico, telecommunications magnet, bought 17 or 20% of their stock. Bezos bought the Washington Post, which was going bankrupt, for the core of a billion dollars. It's not just technology, although that's crucial, that's changing the uh, landscape. They're changing the landscape because people are turning them off. They have options. You know, they have us, Blaze TV. They have our radio programs. But you also have other things on the Internet. I know people trash the Internet. I don't trash the Internet. There are, you know, there are perverts and, and, uh, and reprobates and evil people everywhere, including on the Internet. Mm-hmm. You've got to be careful about what you probably in your community, you know. So you've got to be careful of who you hang out with and careful of what you look at. But I view a lot of this as the new pamphleteers, the competition that's coming. And I think there's going to be future technologies, platforms we haven't even thought of yet, that will again create new and better competition. So I I have a strong belief in freedom of the press, and I have a very negative view of the modern media today. Talking to Mark Levin, uh, the book is Unfreedom of the Press. Mark, I know you're short on time here, but before you go, is... You have this kind of transformation from uh, journalist to activist you talked about. You talk about how it's sort of falling apart for the mainstream media. Is that why it's getting so much worse? Is there sort of like a desperation? They're seeing their power go away, and that's why they're acting out even in more extreme ways than earlier? I think that's why they're going after Trump. They Mm -hmm. figured they had this in the bag. They pushed Hillary. They were trashing him, and they lost. And they're they're trying to fix it from their perspective. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just because 63 million Americans voted for him doesn't mean we can't disenfranchise them. And so that's, that's one of the things that drives these people nuts. But you raise another point that's very, very important. The mixture of news and opinion. And that's, that's really the key problem here. In 1942, there was a report put out by the media about the media, and they warned about this. They said we're going to lose the faith and trust of our viewers and our listeners if we keep doing this. We have the ability to destroy people. We have the ability to be positive. We have the ability to lie. We have the ability to tell the truth. And if we're going to combine fact with fiction, news with opinion, we're going to destroy our credibility. Well, they've destroyed their credibility because 80% of Republicans do not believe the media. 80% of Democrats do. Mm. And so if you want to throw in with a political party, that's fine. The dishonesty of this is, you know, that about 1780 to about 1860, we had the political party press, where the press lined up with one party or candidate or, or viewpoint or another, and they were very transparent about it. It was brutal, but they were transparent. Today, we have the party press, the Democrat party press, a one-party press. And that's why they keep looping through, you know, uh, Adam Schiff or Nadler. They bring guests on, politicians on professors on, so-called experts on, who really uh, uh, mimic their own viewpoints. Mark, we know you're pressed for time. Um, Congratulations on the success of this book. It's already number one. And you've obviously pissed off Brian Stelter at CNN, so you've done something (laughs) incredibly right. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, Thanks a lot for being here. It's Unfreedom of the Press uh, by Mark Levin. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, guys. God bless. Uh, Great stuff. Great stuff. And I wanted to ask him, but we didn't have time, uh, about the uh, Convention of States. Oh, yeah. Which he kicked into gear back in, what was that, 2013 or 14-ish? Doesn't seem like that long ago. 15 states are on board now. That's great. 
That, so that is moving along well. Yeah, it is. And we should also remind you, of course, Mark uh, is uh, Levin TV is part of Blaze TV, and uh, mm-hmm. you can get that as part of your subscription when you go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. You get this show, uh, Pat Gray Unleashed, which is a fantastic one as well. Uh, the news and why it matters that we're all on kind of together. Uh, so not to mention Steven Crowder and so many others. Uh, there's It's a great lineup. So sign up, blazetv.com slash Glenn. Promo code is Glenn. Pat and Stu on the Glenn Beck program. Uh, Glenn is back on Tuesday because uh, Monday is Memorial Day. We got a three-day weekend to look forward to. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. Is Israel practice, practicing some new crowd control methods that yeah. maybe we could learn from? Well, there's a big, there's a lot of developments in the mm. Middle East that we're, there's a supposedly a new plan of ten thousand troops, five to ten thousand troops to be sent to uh, the area of Iran. Uh, and that's going to they're they're talking about it. The reporting is strange on it because they're treating it like it's a real story. But then they're saying it's going to be proposed today, mm. which kind of signals to mm-hmm. me it's not, you know, probably it's not decided yet. Yeah, exactly. Although even we're certainly stepping up our game with Iran uh, yeah. as of late. And, yeah. that, you know, I don't think anyone wants to go to war with Iran. I, don't. I mean, Trump, especially when I mean, he was a guy who ran really as probably the most you know, uh, anti-international uh, involvement Republican that at least I can remember. I mean, it goes back a long, it was my lifetime for sure, I yeah, would think. Which I like, yeah, by the way. I, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of tired of being the police of the world. Um, yeah, it sucks. Getting involved, especially in Middle Eastern uh, nation building, regime change and nation building, it doesn't work out. They don't, they don't have the same mindset and mentality and love for freedom that we that we do they've got a different sort of system over there and they like their system and when you replace the leaders that they have usually you replace them with somebody worse so it just doesn't work out that well you know it's part it's and i don't trump kind of comes at this from a different perspective but it's consistent with the libertarian argument on war which is mm-hmm. basically we as governments suck at everything and war is included in that that's, I, I mean, yeah. that's the libertarian analysis, basically. Like, and they, the same thing that happens, I think, to, you know, I don't always agree with libertarians on, you know, matters of law and order sort of policing, but it's the same sort of argument. Like, we are not good at doing things through the government. You know, the, you know, international war is something we try to do through the government. We don't do it the right way. We don't use the right process. And when we get in there, we screw it up because and it's not even, it, we act sometimes as if these things are like easy things that we're messing up because we're incompetent well they're hard to do well we just had you know, was I, it a senator that said two strikes and it's over in a war with iran no come on uh, that's that's just ridiculous nonsense i mean like look that's not going to be an easy one and i don't want to go near it honestly no. uh, that's going to be you would think much more difficult than afghanistan or iraq i mean they're much more developed oh, yeah. society oh, militar- so, yeah. militarily a lot more people uh, it's it's dangerous. And, and war and, isn't fought the way it was in World War II anymore. No. It's just not. And we wouldn't fight it that way. If we fought it that way, you know, maybe you could get a, a good resolution in a reasonably... A resolution at the yeah, very least. In a reasonable would, amount we all of time. know it would be a terrible resolution. Right? Yeah. We're talking about probably lose hundreds a lot of, of life thousands of people, many of sides. them innocent Iranians yeah. who don't support the regime at all. I mean, they're, right. it's not very popular there. Uh, you know, There's just no way there's no way to make this work and that's kind of you know i think we're both of us have landed over the years it's like i supported the iraq war back in the day mm-hmm. you know i mean I, I certainly believed there was weapons of mass destruction there and and we know mm-hmm. how that story all played out but i over the years have come not necessarily because of of that war teaching me some lesson it's really more about 
understanding the capabilities of human beings, and especially when they gather in government. There's a, human beings are capable of many amazing things, and obviously our troops do incredible things when they are put into war. But managing that war is a central is an exercise in central planning. Yeah. And we know as conservatives that exercises in central planning don't work out that well all that often. Now, there's another big uh, sort of flare-up in the Middle East as well. This one in Israel, where ultra-Orthodox Jews have been um, protesting all over, uh, all over Israel. And many Israelis are complaining that they're causing disruptions to commerce. Uh, they're stopping traffic. They're doing all sorts of things. Do that we know are- what they're upset about? Uh, yeah, let's see. They, um, let's see if I can, uh, I read this earlier. No, the actual protests. Uh, I don't know if it's in this article or not. It might've been another one. Uh, I'm not sure, but I think the real focus here. They're, they're, no, they're is, a nuisance. Well, yes, at least the people protests. there say that they're a nuisance. Yeah. yeah. They're like, yeah, look, I, you know, we're trying to drive home and we can't, there was a, there was a situation many years ago and, um, and this happens all over the place, but. Uh, when people will protest about their job situation or the environment or whatever, and they'll, they'll walk out into the middle of a busy road and stop traffic. And I always think to myself, like, how can this work? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're trying to win people over, like, <laughs> you're just ruining their day and make it so they can't get home yeah, that's for, not effective. to dinner for their families. Like, I, I've what? told the story about, about uh, the janitor strike in Houston when mm-hmm. I was there. Yeah. And the SEIU came down from Chicago, and they would have uh, trucks filled with... Uh, in the back, they were filled with garbage, and they'd go through an intersection, like a main intersection, and then somebody would push all the garbage out into the middle of the intersection, <laughs> just to hold up traffic. Right to that's say, not a good like, way you... to get me on your on the side of the janitors. No, that's not helping. No, because what the point is, like, <laughs> this is what would happen if you didn't yes. have janitors. Right. Wait, they drive trucks through the. the I don't understand. And then dump garbage in the middle of the street. Well, that doesn't I, make any sense. That doesn't. That doesn't help me be sympathetic to your cause. That pisses me off. Yeah. So this one, I guess they were they were. <laughs> This one in, in Israel, they were uh, pr- protesting the Eurovision Song Contest. Now, these are very, very... The Eurovision ultra- Song... Yeah, they, that was held in Israel, which isn't, uh, by the way, in Europe. But it is. it can <laughs> be seen, so vision applies. So that's there. Oh, okay, that's where it came that, in. Yeah, there you go. Yes. So they went in there. They went to uh, a protester starting... Uh, you know, it was starting to become an issue. Mm-hmm. They've tried like you know police on horseback and all these things to try to break up these rallies. Um, apparently, the new tactic is that women have decided to go topless. Uh, <laughs> apparently, under modesty rules, these men are forbidden to view erotic images of women other than their wives, and in some cases, to view women at all. Israeli advertising posters are periodically defaced if they contain images of women, and some newspapers won't run any photos of women. So the idea is that the women will now start taking their tops off to, pr- <laughs> to break up the protests because they're not allowed to see women without their tops off. So they will they will physically be at the protest yes. and take their top off. And take their tops off. And once they see that, they have, <laughs> they have to, to leave, leave, which theoretically will break up the protest. I don't know if it's going to work. That's an interesting tactic. It does seem like a tactic of, of the left yeah. often in the United States. Like I love that they're always like, oh, these are, let's show these men these are our bodies. We're going to go to this place naked. And guys are like, you're sh- wow, you're showing us. You've taught us a lesson. Because guys hate it when, when yeah. women oh, yeah. don't wear clothing. It's just yeah, it's You don't want to see that. Generally speaking, just, lo- just looked down upon by mm-hmm. guys all over the world. Mm-hmm. Now, in this particular case, I think they, it is actually looked down upon. However, right. I've always amazed by that here in the United States. Where it's like, 
It's like women are just like, oh, well, I'll show, I'll show you whose body this is. I'm going to go topless. And the guys are like, all oh, right. wow, you're proving a great point right now. And you're teaching us all the patriarchy. It's like, do you realize what side the patriarchy's on? They convinced you to take your top off. Do you realize that you're on the wrong side of the patriarchy when you're protesting uh, with your with your clothing off? It's not a good direction for you to go. But it's not, they do that all the time. Yeah. I say the one way they do it a lot of times is, um, and it, it is effective when done this way, is they take their clothes off, but it's the people you don't want taking their clothes off that do it. Yeah. That's the protest. Right. And then that does break up a crowd. Yes. You know, the Lena Dunhams of the world can break up crowds like nobody's seen, if given the, the right amount of clothing, which is none. <laughs> uh, so it's possible. I see where they're going with it. We'll, we'll keep you updated on whether the Israeli protests are really controlled by topless I'd women. I'd love to know if that works. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a fascinating thing to watch mm-hmm. develop. Pat and Stu for Glenn. Uh, you can catch my show, uh, Pat Gray Unleashed, weekday mornings right before the Glenn Beck Radio program on the Blaze Radio and Television Network. Then you can listen to the podcast at any time uh, at your leisure, which you can also do with uh, Jeff Fisher's podcast. Jeffy joins our, our broadcast today. Uh, what is your dumb podcast I know you have called? a difficult time remembering. Yeah, I can uh, never, chewing the fat. Even though okay. it was my name to begin with, because that's the segment that you use on our show. It is. On my show. And, and I stole it. And you stole it. I mean, thank you. I appreciate it. Chewing the fat with Jeffy. And press any charges. I appreciate it. And where is that podcast uh, available? You can get it on any platform that the podcasts are available. Wherever free podcasts are sold. You can get it wherever free podcasts are sold. That's an amazing thing about chewing that the fat. That is amazing. It's amazing. Congratulations are in order, though, for mm-hmm. uh, Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, I know you were wondering if she was going to continue on her talk show. Uh, I really was concerned. I know I heard you uh, no. moaning about it the other day, but she is. She signed a new deal, three more years. Oh, phew! Uh, I mean, so she's going to be she's going to be back on. Ellen is sixty one now. Wow! I mean, wow. that's she, she looks, doesn't look it. No, she does not. She looks great. Three really more years though of Ellen. I mean, she's the Ellen brand is worth about uh, five hundred million now, something like that. So she's I bet she's doing okay. Yeah, she's, she's doing all right. You know, she's really likable. I, I think she had a problem there in the late nineties when she was kind of preaching to people on her show. Um, when she came out as yeah, yeah, yeah. as gay, uh, which everybody knew, it was like the right. the least big right. surprise ever right. on network television. Whoa, well, she admitted uh, it. But, but saw it, that the deal coming. was that she admitted it live on TV. But then it right. got kind of preachy, and I think people didn't really like that. And now she's not preachy at all about it, nope. and she's just fun. And and so I think people, it kind of shows you that we we're not homophobic. We just you know we just don't want. You'd be beaten over the head with right. stuff, right? Yes. I mean, I mean, I, I don't beat people over the head with my heterosexuality. Oh, it just oozes from me. Does it? Does it ooze? <laughs> yes, yes, it does. It just, oh, my gosh. Yes, it does. I can't help yes, that. It's hard it to that ignore. I can't help. It's hard to ignore, you know? but yes. So. <laughs> Good news for you, too, Stu. Maybe even you, Pat. I mean, I know mm-hmm. how much you guys enjoy Taco Bell. Oh, uh, yeah, they I do. Are, I love Taco uh, Bell. They are opening a luxury resort. In Palm Springs, California. Like I would Taco totally go to Bell that. Is Taco Bell said the reservations are going to open in June. Opens up August 9th. Weird. It's going to have the gift shop, exclusive apparel based on the restaurant, salon, nail art, hairstyling services, all inspired by Taco Bell. We, we, will there be Taco okay. Bell food there yes. at least? Okay, yes. Yes. it's okay, going to unparalleled then experience. I don't want Count anything else that they're talking about. <laughs> no, there. I don't want my hairdo to reflect uh, Taco Bell. But I, I would. You, would, you don't want the Taco Bell nails, like no. the bell on your on your nails or anything. I, I would say this huh. could be a, a potential investigation for the Blaze. Maybe I, as a reporter, should, should go, go there that's a good for idea. a week or two. 
I mean, to we see just broadcast live from the opening. <laughs> I would totally do that. Taco Bell Resort. <laughs> I mean, we've got uh, cru- the cruise through history coming up. Maybe we can get Taco Bell yeah. involved in that. Uh, come sailaway dot com. We just get Taco Bell right on right on board there. Then. That, the then Bell we're Cruise. really going to up the. No, uh, we're hearing about gourmet Italian food. Right, just give me Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, they kept saying like, like Trump had these uh, big you know dinners for all the teams that would win, and then that one time when the government was shut down, he brought in fast food. Yeah. I'm sorry, Those, that was that's great. exactly and they what loved you would it. Want. Yes, Clemson loved yes. it. They loved it. And yes. now I, he's been doing it. Uh, he's done it several times since, and I think that should just be the new yes, thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Ma- American got, fast food companies, and of course, as with everything else, he got hammered in the press by it. And then, the, and then you heard the the Clemson the players, players say, "No, that was great. Yeah. That was Fine. awesome." Well, it's one of those things too. If he had given them gourmet food, there would be they a report in the Washington Post: four hundred and twenty-seven thousand dollars spent on food for. And they they would have gone mm-hmm. the other way. It's whatever way. Yes. Trump isn't is the way they have to go. We were talking about this in the break. I actually kind of want Donald Trump to come out and make a major policy address in which he says climate change is a serious issue and I'm pro-choice. Just to see what the media does. They'd flip. Oh my! They would all flip. They'd have to. They would say, look, we have to be clear. First of all, first of all, it's not just women's bodies. Fathers have rights too. And this idea that climate change is this pending disaster is totally overblown. That'd be great. It would be so flip on climate change and abortion and watch what the media does oh my gosh that would be that would be such and a what treat. the democrats do oh would, they would, would start passing policies they'd be like there's a heartbeat of course they can't be allowed after a heartbeat begins six <laughs> weeks is plenty of time <laughs> that is they would all oh, completely great. flip I mean, we've seen this on yes. several issues because, you know, because obviously Trump has somewhat of a, a, a different policy um, in a portfolio as, as the, maybe the average Republican and, and certain issues in particular. And you see this happening constantly. Mm-hmm. People that oh. supported one side of the argument for decades in the media and now are I mean, the trade one is really interesting. You. You watch, I mean, CNN mm-hmm. was the mouthpiece of the unions on trade for 30 years, saying oh, we yeah. absolutely need tariffs and trade restrictions are killing American jobs, Like because you'd have all these union representatives come on and say all of these things. Yeah. And now, because Trump is on that side of things, they sound like, you know, Milton Friedman. <laughs> like, I think they all become, they're basically Stephen Moore and Larry Kudlow on trade all of yeah. a sudden. I, it's, it's incredible amazing. to see how that changes. It That's should amazing. be embarrassing, but it's not. It's not. Oh, they it, have you know, no embarrassment in there. Their embarrass- embarrassment gene has been removed. Yeah. yeah. At some level, matter. you just lock yourself into, I'm in a battle against this other side. So whatever they say, I'm on the other side of. And that is uh-huh. like, I just, I, as a human being, I can't bring myself to go there. I just don't, I, I don't have any interest in that. That's strange. Feasting of, uh, you know, fast food, or a little good fast food, uh, Chick-fil-A. Uh, I wanted to thank the governor, uh, Greg Abbott, from the great state of Texas. Oh, this is really cool. Uh, yeah. He uh, he uh, tweeted out uh, the other day about the new bill that uh, I believe is on his desk. Uh, the new uh, so and he tweeted out on his Twitter account. So, what are the odds I'll sign the Chick Fil A bill? I'll let you know after dinner. And he his uh, picture on his tweet was a, a large Chick Fil A drink with the Chick Fil A story. Uh, save Chick-fil-A bill held heads to Texas Governor Greg Abbott's desk. And the story uh, was uh, from the blaze. Yeah. Uh, so oh, I want to thank, well, thank the governor for uh, yeah, that's tweeting cool. out. He just happened to be There's the never blaze. been a better governor. <laughs> Seriously. And it's not just because he featured the blaze in that little post. And Chick-fil-A. Uh, but he is the greatest governor of my lifetime. No he's matter there. what state I've lived in, uh, no matter how long, how far back you go, 
there's nobody better than Greg Abbott. Now, you, you, now you lived in Connecticut. I, yes, I, uh, are you sure you want to? Yes, I did. Are you going to okay. go that far? Uh, and I'm, I'm still going to stick to my wow my statement. Wow, and you yeah. worked in New York, right? You experienced that governor. Yes. Was was it Pataki at the time? No, it was after. Or that was oh. post Pataki. That was uh, was, that was it Cuomo? Cuomo. Yeah, yeah, it was Cuomo. Cuomo. Yeah. There. yeah. I mean, and now um, you have the opportunity to potentially vote for Bill de Blasio for president. Right. So, I mean, so, this is... Uh, so. Probably going to pass up that chance. Wow, yeah. are you kidding me? No. Now, Jeffy, I noticed no. you brought up mo- multiple stories here about fast food. Your, your <laughs> couple. Your couple in the news. Your podcast is called Chewing the Fat. Yeah. I will say uh, it's sad to see. Um, uh, post your heart attack, that you seem to be losing weight, and I don't, I don't, I don't like that because it ruins our jokes uh, mainly. I, well, we came, I came on this show, this very show, with mm-hmm. well, the host that's on vacation now, Glenn Beck, and we made a deal about losing weight this year. <laughs> this is a great point. We made a deal about losing weight this year. I agreed to it. Yes, I've lost twenty five pounds. Mm-hmm. The deal was just that's that we great, were going to eat better and we were going to lose way. weight, and I've, I've <laughs> I'm up to twenty five pounds lost now. I'm, I'm feeling good. I don't think Glenn is part of that deal. I will say this. Uh, Glenn, and I can give you specifics on Glenn, who said he was going to lose 50 pounds. 50? In this year. Okay. Now, we are only in May. How far How far toward that goal <laughs> is he? All he has to do is uh, lose 60 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and then he lost the 50? Yeah, they lost the oh, original 50. Uh, I, I, he, I said that I kind of uh, confronted him on this the other day. I was like, Glenn, you know, oh, you, you made this big deal to lose 50 pounds this year. Like, how is that? Are you have you abandoned it? He's like, no, I haven't abandoned it at all. No, I'm still in. <laughs> okay. So, now look, he's still got seven months. Yeah, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. You can still do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's gonna happen. Uh, he's on vacation this week. Usually, we don't eat. No, so that's well. when you start working out and, and right. feeling good about yourself. Is on <laughs> yes. vacation. So yes. when he comes back, he'll just have to lose seventy five pounds, <laughs> and that's not bad. But you're actually going in the right direction, which is, is nice. You did remind me though of of, uh, of Chick Fil A, which uh, did a promotion a couple years ago. In which it's so classic. <laughs> if you well, ch- they were giving away free sandwiches <laughs> if you showed up in a cow outfit. They, they you dressed like up as like, like a cow. Yeah, they do, yeah. they do one, yeah. once a year. And, and so, so <laughs> we decided to send Jeffy to Chick Fil A. However, did not dress him up; just kept oh, him like he he is because he you know there's like there's a cow there's a there's a sort of a. A look-alike situation already happening. <laughs> right. You don't need to dress and him all, up. All we had him do when he walked into the store was say moo. <laughs> <laughs> See if he got a free sandwich. And bless their hearts. Uh, he did. And they did. I they want to thank Chick-fil-A for yeah. that. That's great. <laughs> I think. I'm not sure that I want to thank him for it, but they did. It's, it's easy to look at this as a negative, and you might look back at that as a bad memory, but then hey, I see your I eyes got, light up when you talk about the sandwich. I got free food. <laughs> I got free food. All I had to do was go in and pretend I was a cow I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest stretch, really. Mm. When you no, but I was pretending as well. <laughs> no, that's well, what my, we were saying. Right. That's what we were saying. You just go in as a cow. Uh-huh. Is that you're uh, yeah. overweight? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, I but still, am, I still am that. And health wise, are you uh, okay? Uh, no problem. Piece of cake. Uh, you just went in for a for a checkup not too long ago. Yeah, right? yeah. They have a and he said you're you're doing good. I'm fine. You've quit the no smoking. Problem. I have. That's amazing. Not hundred percent. In fact, that's the one thing they told you even more than. Anything about anything. food, yeah, right? they, Yeah, they weren't concerned about the, the diet at all. So we'll get to that. Smoking was number one. Yeah, and number you've one. actually accomplished it, which is, like, incredible. Well, I mean, that's tough, man. It that's is. It's been a tough five months. Is it to still, break. or is it, is it have ever you so forgotten often. about it? Every, no, every so often, man. Well, you know, if I, mm-hmm. I go out, walk outside the building and somebody will be out there smoking, and I just want to tackle them and take the cigarette. <laughs> have you considered <laughs> using heavier drugs? Like, maybe offsetting yes. it? Okay. All right. 
But that doesn't help because that just makes me want to smoke more. Uh, see, so see, it's wow. in the opposite is, direction. It's complicated. I know it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you cover uh, <laughs> issues just like this on Chewing the Fat. Thank you very much. Every day with Jeff Fisher, uh, go to wherever free podcasts are sold. That's right. And uh, <laughs> just search for Chewing the Fat, and you'll find Jeffy's face on a steak. <laughs> Which is the symbol of the show, legitimately. It's the most perfect symbol of a show ever invented in the history of broadcast. (laughs) I don't know why. It just seems appropriate. Mm -hmm. 888-727-BECK. Ah, you gotta love the hypocrisy. Spread thick, as usual, by Democrats. Uh, Kamala Harris. How hard has she been fighting for the uh, gender gap? The pay pay gap among genders to, to end? And it's her policy that... When she's elected president, it will end. Finally. Fi- I, I don't know how she... How are you going to control the salaries that people give to their employees? First of all, we've talked about the, the gender pay gap a million times. And so is the Washington Post, as a matter of fact, which is not conservative, but they've debunked it as well. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not a real thing. It's not I a mean, thing. I know it feels like it's a real thing to a lot of people. In fact, it's one that was so pervasive that I remember when we first started looking at it, I thought it was real. Yeah, I like, did too. I, this is I maybe too. 10 or 15 years ago. There's a book called Why Men Earn More that came out in the mid-2000s that really goes through the details. It's written by a guy who was... Uh, Didn't one he of the, set out to to prove that it was, it was real. accurate? Yeah, he was he was um, a guy who was the president of the New York chapter of the National Organization of Women, which is oh, wow. kind of interesting that a guy would be... Yeah. Um, but he was... Uh, he His theory was if women can be paid for the same work a lot less... I'll open up a business and hire women for and I'll a save little a bit lot of less, money. but I'll, I'll save a ton of money and I'll be able to beat everybody. Well, then he realized when he had uh, women all working for him that they had different priorities and different mm-hmm. decision-making processes. It wasn't always work first. It was sometimes family first, which again, we'd all praise as a decision. It's smart, mm-hmm. but it was not the, the easiest way for him to run a business and the business did not work. Um, and he went up going through this and going through all the research and realizing that what we see as a wage gap is almost completely uh, disintegrates when you actually hold it up to any any sort of light. But when you have somebody preaching it uh, that there should be equality in pay, and and it, there will be equality in pay when I'm elected, it kind of uh, blows your mind when you find out that in her Senate office and in her campaign, she's paying men more than women. <laughs> for the same job believable i mean it's it's not a gigantic disparity but it's six percent so uh men make six percent more in her uh in her senate office and they make six percent more in her campaign now this is your big issue right now this is one of your central policy uh concerns and you can't even figure this out to pay your own uh, personnel the the equal pay I, that's unbelievable yeah it's just unbelievable and we should point out the wage gap is not about equal pay for equal work it's just about equal pay as average they just take all the jobs in the country and average them men and women and that's how they come up with this paid wage gap well mm. when you look at it when it's equal work the the just you know the difference melts away and in many cases think issues like uh, the medical profession and and education women earn more than men for the yeah. same amount of work 
Um, you know, it's just, again, sometimes women are better at things and sometimes guys are better at things. That's not a surprise to any human being who's ever dealt with either one of the two uh, genders, which are part of the larger family of 943 genders. <laughs> well, if I decide after I have a baby to uh, leave employment, I should continue to make as much money as I was making when I was still there, right? That'd be sweet. I mean, in perpetuity, I, not right. just the six months that I can take off. Uh, after having the baby but i want to continue to make that money i think a lot of places you can take more than six that, months off now yeah it's a year in some yeah. places Oof. but if you take five years off leave the profession uh-huh. and then come back with the same knowledge you had five years ago and expect to come into the same job whether it was a baby or not that did that you shouldn't be making the same amount of money. <laughs> and those are the situations that occur yeah, and that's why are. there's a little bit of a difference but you're comparing apples to oranges it just doesn't work it's not, it, they want you to believe it's sexism, and it's just not sexism. There's like almost right. none of it that's even possible that it could be sexism. You see this over and over again. If women can earn more with the same amount of education at the same point of their careers and this in these same professions, well, how could it be sexism? It's just not. We will finish off the week together and get into a three-day weekend for Memorial Day uh, tomorrow right here on the Glenn Beck Program with Pat and Stu. You're listening to Glenn Beck.